Thank you. It's an old friend of mine, John Watson. Afghanistan or Iraq? Sorry? Which was it, Afghanistan or Iraq? Afghanistan, sorry, how did you... Ah, Molly, coffee, thank you. What happened to the lipstick? It wasn't working for me. Really? I thought it was a big improvement. Mouth's too small now. Okay. How do you feel about the violin? Sorry, what? I play the violin when I'm thinking. Sometimes I don't talk for days on and Would that bother you? Potential flatmates should know the worst about each other. Well, you, you told them about me? Not a word. Then who said anything about flatmates? I did. I told Mike this morning that I must be a difficult man to find a flatmate for. Now here he is, just after lunch with an old friend, clearly just home from military service in Afghanistan. Wasn't a difficult leap. How did you know about Afghanistan? Got my eye on a nice little place in central London. Together we ought to be able to afford it. We'll meet there tomorrow evening, 7 o'clock. Sorry, got a dash of thinking about my riding crop in the mortuary. Is that it? Is that what? We've only just met, and we're going to go look at a flat. Problem? We don't know a thing about each other. I don't know where we're meeting. I don't even know your name. I know you're an army doctor and you've been invalided home from Afghanistan. I know you've got a brother who's worried about you, but you won't go to him for help because you don't approve of him, possibly because he's an alcoholic, more likely because he recently walked out on his wife. And I know that your therapist thinks you're limp psychosomatic quite correctly, I'm afraid. It's enough to be going on with, don't you think? The name's Sherlock Holmes and the address is 221B Baker Street. Oh, I love Sherlock. You just experience what it means to be Sherlock there, uh, and that's kind of the, the um, a little bit of the draw of this show that's on BBC, and, and we have a few people in the room that are, that are into binge watching that, and um, you know, he goes into these rants where he talks about how he has deduced these things that you could never possibly know, and so everybody's standing there saying, how did you know that? And so you just saw the, the meeting between John Watson and, and Sherlock. So this morning, we're talking about the spitting image of health. And, and I'll make the connection here for you uh, very quickly as to why we would show something like that. What, you know, part of, part of the challenge that we have, and by the way, turn to Colossians 3. That's where we're at this morning. Part of the challenge we have is that how we live says everything about us. How we live says everything about us. And my question to you today is, what would you like to say? You know, in the, in the clip, John Watson says, that's it then? You know, we're just going to be flatmates and we don't know anything about each other. And, and Sherlock goes through just this litany of what would seem personal information. Turns out eventually he was wrong on one thing, but he just, he just missed it. Uh, you didn't see earlier in the clip, or maybe you did. Was he on John's phone in this clip? Yeah, when he's on John's phone, he saw a text that helped him confirm that information about he has an alcoholic brother that John won't reach out to. It turns out it was a sister, not a brother. So he messed up just one little iota. But it's amazing what you can learn about a person just from looking at their phone, right? You know? And, and, and so this morning, think about what is it 
that by your actions and by your life and by my life, what is it that I say about myself? Think about the most happy individual you know. Just eternally happy. Got it? Now think about the grumpiest person you know. Don't look at each other. Alright? Knock it off. Think about the most immature person you know. Think about the smartest person you know. Think about the most beautiful person you know. And we could keep going on and on, right? Think about the richest person you know. Think about the poorest person you know. Think about the nicest person you know. There is a reason that images are coming to your mind. Now, if other people were being asked that question, they are right now currently in this room, what would they say about you? Ultimately, we're not concerned about other people as believers in Jesus Christ. We're concerned about God. We're concerned about Jesus' approach to us, His working through us, and how we represent Him. And so this morning, we have a title, The Spitting Image of Health. And we're going through Colossians. We're in Colossians 3. Last week, we talked about the passage that just precedes this. And it really is a passage about sin. There's no getting around it. And we were pretty specific about that. That there's challenges when we face the issue of the old self and the world and the sin that's all around us. And how do we keep from doing that? You have to take an active path to put those things off. To set those things aside. Now what Paul does is he says, okay, now that we've talked about the fact that you have to demolish the things that are no good, right? Pull that high shag carpet out, and now let's replace it with beautiful hardwood, Peruvian wood floors, right? And so now Paul gives us a list of things that are just incredible. Things that we should be emulating because we know Jesus Christ. And and the reality this morning is what I'm going to read to you really speaks to that case, is that for those here who know Jesus Christ, Christ transforms us from the old to the new. Amen? He's the one that does the changing. So changing into what? How many of us know what it used to be to look like the old self? And now because of Christ, we look like the new self. That is an incredible transformation. And so this morning, you're going to get the upside of of a two-part series message. And actually, we're going to split it out. You've got notes. Go ahead and pull out your notes this morning and start marking it down. This is for everybody. This isn't just, well, I'm not really a note taker because I've made the notes different today. You can write down the things that will be on the screen. They're not in your notes. You have a, you're in a doctor's office and you're going through an exam this morning. All right? I don't pretend to be Sherlock. The Holy Spirit is the Sherlock in the room and he's much better than Sherlock. He misses nothing. And so you're going to have an interactive time this morning as you listen to those things out of Scripture that Paul says are healthy, that are good, that are beneficial, that this is what it looks like to be spiritually healthy, and you're going to have time to assess that. When you pull out that sheet, there's a life group sheet, and on the back of that is a healthy church assessment. I would love for you, even visitors today, just your initial impression, I would love for you to fill that out And if you're not in a life group, if you're not going to take that sheet to a life group, I would love for you to drop it in the plate that's backed by our offering and our our visitor card basket. 
take those things, drop them off there so we can get an understanding of how you view the perceived spiritual health of this church. But please, this is an interactive time, and you're going to have time to fill in what I have on screen, and you're going to have time to do a little bit of an examination for yourself. So let's get into it this morning. The spitting image of hell. Sometimes when you say something like this, you look at a picture and you say, well, there you go. That's what Kaiser would put on a brochure. The spitting image of Or maybe it would be, you know, something like, I don't know, that, right? Okay, it's all of these women doing this yoga stuff or something. I don't get into any yoga positions. I, the only one I do is fallen dog, okay? <laughs> fallen dog. And it's not on any list you'll ever see. But if you want me to demonstrate, just come over about 9 o'clock, and I'll show you how that happens in my recliner. Okay. So not to leave out the guys, okay? There's one. That's a spitting image of health. I Googled it, and that's the image I got. Honestly, it looks like the guy just got shot in the back, Right? <laughs> I don't know how, why, why is that the spitting image of health? But that, if you Google it, that's what you get. Let me give you some things that I thought were cool. I don't know why they put these on stones. This is like probably up at the craft shop at Hume Lake for women. I don't know. I don't get it, but this is something that you would find there. But I love the words because the words are reflective of exactly what Paul says today. So we're going to have that little icon up continually. Let me show you one more thing when it comes to an image of spiritual health. The Word of God and prayer. If there's two components that are really going to help us with spiritual health, those are two of the things. So we're going to use this little illustration of of examination and, and doctors and that kind of stuff as we meander through this. And you and I come out different on the other side. Right? We get to go to a doctor. I went to a doctor... Last time I went to a doctor was, I don't know, my wife's looking at me like, when was it, honey? Um, I think it was like three and a half years ago. And I sat there, it was a new doctor, you know how that works at at Kaiser, you get a new doctor and they keep moving around, I don't know where they move. But uh, yeah, so I, I had some questions for her and she's looking at my statistics and all this stuff. And she said, you have a syndrome. A syndrome. Okay, I have a syndrome. What? She goes, it's called unhealthy syndrome. I'm like, wow, I've never heard that before. I thought that was like a superhero title or something, a syndrome. No, an unhealthy. So an unhealthy syndrome apparently is where you have three or more markers that mark bad health. And so I turned around to her in a very godly state. <laughs> and I said, so the fact that... Um, you know, this is good. Would you say that this? Yeah, that's, that's good. And this is, this is good, right? Yeah, that's good. And, and so this, I said, so I'll just match my healthy syndrome to your unhealthy syndrome. We'll call it even. And she just looked at me and hit a few keys and left the room. <laughs> so let's just say I wasn't the best patient. I encourage you, I implore you, don't be that patient this morning as you go through your examination. Listen to what the Word of God has for us as we examine our lives and we look and see when it comes to these markers of spiritual health, where are we? So let's get into it. Let's look at the passage this morning. Colossians 3, 12 through 17. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, 
as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Amen. Now we're only going to cover um, a couple of those verses today and we're going we're to kind of split out this message into um, a couple weeks. But let's start with this. Number one, what are you putting on? Verses 12 through 13. Paul says this, put on then, or some of your scriptures in the NIV, it says clothe yourselves. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. So let me ask you again. If how you live says everything about you, what would you like to say? And let's dig into how this scripture can help us answer that question. Putting on. Well, putting on is, is this concept of our outward appearance is a reflection of what's on the inside. Our outward appearance is a reflection of what's on the inside. Let me help you with that. Jesus speaks to this uh, in Matthew. And let me... Uh, I'll just read that for you, and uh, you can mark it in your notes if you, if you prefer. Matthew 15, and we're going to be in 10 through 20. It says this, And he called the people to him and said to them, Hear and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. I'll, I'll get back to the rest of the Scripture in a second. Now, here's the challenge, my friends. We, we looked last week at these things. He, Paul gives us a list of five sexual sins that were rampant within that area, that region at that time. He says, you know, these things are so part of what your lifestyle used to be. You can't have this anymore. This is destroying you. This is the antithesis of what it means to be free in Christ. These things actually hold you captive. And then he goes on and he says the same thing about five sins that are common with our mouth. And a lot of them had to do with anger and rage and malice and and how those things come out of our mouth. And he says, you have to put these things off as well. So he's saying you need to get rid of these things. A lot like my doctor said, hey, you need to stop doing this. You need to stop doing this. Before we can even start start talking about certain aspects of health, you've got to stop doing this. Otherwise, it's pointless. It's never going to work. So this morning when we're talking about putting something on... Understand, our, out, our outward appearance is a reflection of what's on the inside. And Jesus confirms this. So then he says, verse 12, Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? Here's one of the most politically correct verses that you'll ever see in Scripture. Jesus, why'd you say that? These guys are really upset now. You need to send out a redaction. You need to get, have a press conference, get CNN, Jerusalem News up and 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 recant on your statement because there's a lot of people upset let's see how jesus handles that he answered every plant that my that my heavenly father has not planted will be rooted up let them alone they are blind guides and if the blind lead the blind both will fall into a pit but peter said to him explain the parable to us because we just like peter 
we might be sitting in this room saying, I, I need you to break that out a little bit, Jesus. I'm not really sure what you mean by that. So listen to what Jesus says. And he said, are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? There you go. Jesus using science in scriptures. All right, there's your biology class, right? He's saying it's not, you know, we've made something so big about this. Initially, it was set apart in the law so that you guys wouldn't look like the surrounding nations. So I gave you these dietary restrictions not to do this because when you do do it, it leads you into bad choices. But in fact, there's actually nothing biologically wrong by taking and ingesting that food. And that goes back to you know, our sermon series a couple weeks ago about Jesus, tattoos, and beer. If you missed that one, you're here today and you're like, what? You can get that online. So he says this, do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach as an expelled? He's just saying it's a big deal when it comes to what you eat or drink or wash. So then he clarifies this. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat what is unwashed, or but to eat with unwashed hands doesn't defile anybody. See, Jesus is getting to a point here. Who do you reflect? What do you reflect? Usually it becomes an extension of what's in you. So that's where we have to start. That's where you have to start, and I have to start this morning in examining where are we at? Now, when I walk into the doctor's office, they can just look at me and see the perfect brilliance that is Pastor Jeremy and declare me insane. No, they can, all of us can look and see that obviously I have hair issues. That's my problem. It's my hair. Right? That's the most unhealthy part about me is my hair. No. Let's not get personal. Let's not mention my issues but I think they're obvious and mental stability might be added on you can look at this magnificent piece of flesh and see the obvious result of bad choices is that correct you guys are all like wow that guy's brave (laughs) look at that guy (laughs) No, I'm not. I'm just, there's no getting around. I can't hide this. I don't want to hide this, okay? This is obvious. But, you know, there are other things. I shared last week about the mayhem that struck my house in the middle of watching a Warrior game a, a while ago. And this week was no better. You know, we, we, I was sharing with you about what happened, and then I just got so frustrated. And I, 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 like, so upset at myself. I'm like, How did it get that bad that fast? Why did I get so reactive? Where is the peace of God in my life, right? This week. I'm down for a meeting. (laughs) I kid you not. I'm down for a meeting with uh, another pastor. We meet every Tuesday. We come out from where we're having lunch. And we're walking. and, And all of a sudden, a very tall man walks out of a store. And I'm looking and I'm thinking, I think that's Andre Iguodala from the Warriors. And he's walking right towards us, and he walks past us, and, and he's kind of got a hat down, and he's sucking down a soda, which he shouldn't be. See, external issues. 
And all of a sudden, all these kids come flying out of five guys, yelling. And so I said to them, who, who is that? And they said, Andre Iguodala. And I'm like, I knew it. And I turn around, and he's, he's like, I don't know, five, six feet behind me, and he's getting into his 62 beater Volkswagen bug that disguises itself as a brand new Mercedes from Walnut Creek Mercedes. And uh, see, isn't it funny, the stereotypes we throw on to professional athletes? And so, you know, there at the corner, and then now I'm like, ah, I, I kind of wanted to go say hi, and then I was like, I don't want to be that guy. Because I get weird when I'm that guy, right? And so I just let it go. And then, like, the next two nights, I'm kicking myself. I'm like, I could have taken a picture from my wife. She loves Andre Iguodala. She loves his game and, and how quirky he is, right? And I'm like, I should have. So fast forward two days, I go out with my son to a movie. And uh, it's, it's like a 4.30 movie. And we go to this movie, and there's really nobody there. And so we go to the popcorn line. There's another tall man standing there. And so I just joke around with my son, and I say, hey, Dylan, look, it's Festus Azili. That's not Festus Azili. And then they, they heard what I said, so this guy turns around. And there's only three people standing. This guy turns around and goes, no, it's Kevon Looney, which my son's totally into, you know, this guy is a basketball player. And, and so now we're getting popcorn and stuff, and we're kind of meandering around, and and I'm thinking, how can I get my son to say hi to this guy, right? And I'm thinking about all this. And, and here it comes. Here it comes. You know, the external as an as a indicator of how unhealthy you are internally. And so all I'm thinking of is I've got to somehow say his name, and then Dylan will, uh, you know, he'll respond, and then Dylan will get to meet him and, you know, put it out on Instagram, all that stuff. And so I say, hey, Dylan, you want some popcorn? Now, you all see if this is an insult or not, okay? I'm being very self-effacing. Dylan, you want popcorn? No. And I said, Dylan, eating popcorn or not getting popcorn in a movie is like saying your favorite warrior is Kevon Looney. Now, how many in the room take that as an insult? You will not lose your membership if you raise your hand. How many of you think... I was actually saying how great Kevon Looney is. One person. It was one to zero. I win, Janine. Okay. We, we just settled it. Thank you, Luke, for voting for me. I appreciate it. For the next 24 hours, I was beating myself up. I'm like, why did I say that? Because I was so, like, my inside was just so, like, I want to make this happen. I want to make this happen for my son, you know. And, and I wasn't thinking. I could have just walked up and said, hey, how's it going? You know, my son would love to meet you but yet I spewed something stupid out of my mouth and insulting. Then I put out an all-points bulletin. If you know this man, Mar- Marianne saw it. If you know this man, please apologize for me. Anyway, what we do through the trans- or, or, or on the inside is reflected on the outside. Through the transforming grace of Jesus Christ, we need to understand that we belong to Jesus. That's where we start. We need, to be, we need to start with this idea that we belong to Jesus. Secondly, we need to understand that we are being transformed into His likeness. What does that mean? Well, Paul gives some instruction just like that. And, and let's look at it out of Ephesians 4, 20-24. It says, But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him as the truth is in Jesus. 
to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in the true righteousness and holiness. So when we look at this concept that it is through the transforming work of the grace of Jesus Christ that that, that internal starts to reflect Jesus... We move off of the old self and the old habits and the, and the blunders out of our mouth and the evilness that's in our heart. How do we do that? It is always through Jesus Christ. It is for this reason that people gathered, thousands gathered at the Mount of Olives and yelled, Hosanna! But when the, the reality came that they had to trust in a God that would sacrifice Himself, that was not how they pictured it. And so the crowds diminished The crowds walked away and only the faithful knew what it meant to have the transforming grace or work of grace of Jesus Christ work in their lives. We have to understand that we belong to Jesus. 1 Corinthians 6.19 talks about the fact that we were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Now, the question is, what does it look like to be changed into His likeness? If that's the goal, if that's the idea of spiritual health, right, then how do we quantify that? What would that look like this morning? What would that image look like? Well, let's break it down. Paul gives us multiple looks, multiple images or indicators or markers of the person who is experiencing the grace of Jesus Christ in their life. And for many of us, this would be a very difficult challenge in, in some of these areas. So this is where you get to write down different things. This is where you get to fill in the examination part as we, as we break this down. Let's start with compassion. Now what I've done here is, is I've gone and I've done a word study on each of these words in their original language. And then I've also put kind of a little bit of a twist as to how those really kind of apply today for us, the way that we see the word in, in 21st century. So when he says compassion, he's talking about what's called compelled service. Compelled service. Have you ever been in that position where you see someone that's suffering, someone that's in need, and you have compassion on them? Scripture talks about that with Jesus feeding the, uh, the thousands that had come to listen to Him and had gone for a day without eating. And it says He had compassion on them. So he was compelled to do what? He was compelled to action. He was compelled to serve them. We need to be compassionate. Most people that I know that I would say that is a compassionate person, as I look at that, I see the grace at work, the grace of Jesus Christ at work in their life. Secondly, kindness. Now a lot of men kind of see this as an affront to their masculinity. I don't, I, I've not met the man yet that says, you know, boy, I wanted to be voted most kind in my 12th grade year, you know, on the yearbook. Here's a picture of me, kindest guy, okay? That kind of bristles against our, our masculinity. Well, because we have a little bit of a, of a juxtaposition of what this word really means as it was laid out. Kindness is active goodness. It's active goodness is what he's talking about. Not someone who is so sugary with how they talk. And, oh, 
That's crazy. Now, that can be kind. But men, you can be kind without losing your masculinity. It's the idea of active kindness. And compassion and kindness are closely linked. As a matter of fact, a lot of these spiritual indicators of good spiritual health are closely linked. So, when you're looking at this idea of active goodness, how would you rate? If you're standing in a room or you're amongst your peers, how would you rate when it comes to active kindness? Humility. Exalting and building up others. Now, I've never heard an explanation of that. This is kind of an antonym. This is kind of taking the opposite approach. Usually when we hear about humility, we're using words where we're diminishing ourself. We're not bragging about ourselves. It's always in context to ourself. I thought I'd put a little different twist on it. You know, if, if you're constantly about building up others, you cannot be about building up yourself. You see the connection there? That's powerful stuff. Write that down. Building up others. And, and I don't know that, and the reason I, I also say it this way is because I think sometimes we confuse, we confuse humility with meekness. That we might say that someone who's humble really can't be a strong personality. I don't, I don't believe that that's true. I believe that there can be strength in your personality and your character, and you can still be humble. Now, the next word that Paul uses helps us define that, and it's meekness. Again, another word that we as men hope we never get voted for our 12th grade year. You know, most meek, right? I don't even, I'm not even sure that any of the women in the room want to be voted most meek. But I think we don't use this word. I think we need some clarification. What is Paul saying? If he's saying this is a marker of spiritual health, we should pay attention to it. Most meek is this idea of not brash or arrogant or rude. Have you ever met a strong person that's not brash, not rude, and not arrogant? That's meekness. That's different than humility. And sometimes, because we've changed the meaning of words a little bit, that gets confused. But those are, those are different things. Exalting and building others up, you see, it's truly an act of selflessness, isn't it? That's the essence of humility. I can be selfless, and I can still not be meek. Right? I can be selfless, and I can still not be meek. Because I can be brash. Right? So, I wasn't very meek, because some of you, I could see it in your eyes. You're like, why are you telling us this ridiculous story about meeting Kevon Looney? For this point right here. I was not meek in that moment. Was I humble? Yeah, I made an idiot of myself. No, you're saying that's not humility, Pastor Jeremy. Yeah, you're right. No, but I was brash. And I was harsh. Because I wasn't thinking about it. Because I was solely driven by this thing that I thought was for my son, but really I wanted. If my son really wanted to meet him, he would have just walked up and said hi. I wanted that for my son. And so I put my agenda in front of building up somebody else. So I wasn't humble and I wasn't meek on either level. So I'm confessing in front of all of you. I already did it this past week, so look at the Lord. Patience. 
By the way, let me just give you an understanding that, that um, there are many who have talked about this list, that these are indicators as well of the spiritual health of your church. Does your church exhibit these? So as you answer that healthy church assessment on the back, please look at that and say, is this what our church exhibits? Where can we improve upon examination? So long-suffering, this is an area where we don't do well in the church. That when things get difficult, when things become challenging here in the church, it's very easy to say in our own minds, well, I don't like the conflict. The conflict isn't good. It's not something that's godly. You're right, it's not in certain senses. So I'm just going to leave. I'm going to leave this group of people that I've been committed to and I said I was committed to, and I'm going to walk away and I'm going to go where? I'm going to go to another church. Now, I might be stepping on some toes this morning because I may have some people here that that was your process. But there is a proper time as well, my friends, when you have long suffered. You have gone through the process that that sometimes there is time for a move. But rarely today, can I just encourage you, no matter where you are in your spiritual health, let me just encourage you, there needs to be long suffering and it has to start here in the church. And a great picture of that is Jesus with His disciples. You heard out of the Matthew 10, right? He says, do you still not understand to Peter? Right? Because why? Because he had taught this lesson multiple times already. And yet Peter says what? And, and kudos to Peter for saying, explain it to us, explain it to us. We, we, we want to get it. But have you ever had that experience with someone that you've told them like five times how to do something? And they come back, uh, exactly what do you want here? Now that's when you've got to have patience. And I, we don't use the word long-suffering, but I love that word. I love that explanation. Because that is the quintessence of patience, is long-suffering. Let me encourage you, brothers and sisters, the health of the church is not to see all conflict as negative. Because if we're not going to have conflict, we're in heaven. We're not in heaven yet. We're here in in. What do they say about church? Church would be perfect if it wasn't for the what? For the people. Now, if we all get to a certain point, we've all hit, you know, uh, sumo cum laude when it comes to spiritual likeness and, and spiritual health, then we're not a spiritually healthy church because we've all hit this echelon, but we're not bringing anybody else through the door who needs to grow. So a healthy church is one that has a dynamic range of people in their spiritual walk. And if that's going to happen, if you're going to invite that, if you're going to obey Christ in that, you have to be long-suffering. You have to be patient. And you have to lean on the grace of Jesus Christ and let Him do that transforming work in you. We have a great statement in the, in the Evangelical Free Church that's kind of the moniker. We're doing a membership class right now um, on Sunday afternoons, and we talk about this. And this idea of bear with one another fits with the idea of patience. And uh, if you look up the Greek word for bear with one another, you are not going to see the transliteration definition, let it go. That's Jeremy's flair on it. All right? But in essence, it means the same thing as the exact definition. You know, the free church has this moniker that says major on the majors, minor on the minors. One of the greatest stories I've ever heard about this had to deal with um, 
George Whitfield and one of the Wesley brothers. And, and for some of you, that means nothing. The, the, the church history doesn't hit with you. But, but go back a little bit towards the, the, the turn of the 18th, early part of the, the 19th century. And you have the Great Awakening that's happening within our country. And there was a lot of, of British pastors that were coming over and throughout the eastern seaboard doing great revival meetings. And, and thousands were coming to the Lord. And a great preacher, George Whitfield, was being used instrumentally. And thousands of people come to the Lord. And another gentleman, you had Charles and John Wesley. And, and one was very astute at writing hymns. A lot of our hymns are connected to them. But the other Wesley picked a fight with George. And they were all friends. They all started Methodism together. But they disagreed on a certain tenet of theology. And so the Wesley brother, who had no effectiveness in his preaching came over and preached to almost empty halls. And then he decided to go back to England and slander the name of George Whitfield because he was jealous of the success that George was having. George decided this under the idea of bear with one another. The one who the anointing of God was on, the one who was having success, the one who was seeing all things come together, he sacrificed all that they had worked for to develop this idea of Methodism. How many of you have been taught that John and Charles Wesley were the founders of Methodism? They weren't. George Whitfield was. And now you know the rest of the story. George Whitfield said, you are more important than progress. And so I give you the entire thing. I'm walking away. Because you as a person mean more to me than this fight. If I walk away from it, you can't fight me. Now he didn't do that because he didn't have the guts to stay in the fight. He did it because he saw the greater good and he saw the damage that was happening. Oh, that we would have leaders like that. That is the mark of spiritual health, my friends. An incredible mark of spiritual health. And we need to bear with one another. If it's a major issue, no. We need to sit down. We need to discuss it. You need to find someone to sit with you and arbitrate maybe. You need to pray with the person. But if it's something that just has just bad fingers and, and, and it doesn't have a major, major impact, folks, let, let's let it go. Think about all the things that Jesus let go that He could have picked on constantly. Forgive. And this is the last one we're looking at today. We'll close with this. Forgive. Now there's a lot of different definitions of forgiveness, okay? We're just going to go with this one for the sake of, of today and for this list. That a spiritual marker for the believer in Jesus Christ is forgiveness. And many of us know the, the teaching that Jesus gave to Peter when Peter says to Jesus, how many times must I forgive? And he says what? Right. And, and it's not that there's necessarily a particular number. It's that he just says, always. You always have to forgive. And Jesus demonstrated this, did He not? If anyone demonstrated the power of forgiveness, Jesus did when He was on the cross and the words that came from His mouth in the moment was what? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. You and I don't have that kind of power, but Jesus does and Jesus gives us that ability to do that. And guess what? When we do that, people suddenly look and say, there's something different here. 
there's something healthy here. There's something that's not normal here. What's going on? That, my friends, is a marker of spiritual health. Do you get it? So I'm going to give you just a moment to fill out your examination. Take the paper and fill it out. I'm going to give you one minute. You've heard the list. And then I'm going to close this with a a closing thought. As you're looking at that, understand these papers will not be graded. They're for your consumption. They're for your tool. But it, this is uncommon for us. We don't do this. I don't think I've ever done this. But the reason that we are doing it is because I think too often we come here just to hear something, but rarely do we want to apply it. And so today, this is why I give you this tool is to hear this fantastic teaching from Scripture and say, okay, seriously, this is what i got to do. Because I will tell you, when the doctor told me, you have a health syndrome, I just laughed. And I'm like, I don't care. I don't care. And then guess what? I started caring when my blood pressure was 160 over 110. Had I listened to the doctor three and a half years ago, I might not be a walking case for a stroke. Right? Now, normally I wouldn't go that distance, but I just want to tell you, when it comes to spiritual things, we've gotten into a pattern of the idiocy that I just demonstrated with my own physical health. We'll just listen to what the doctor says, but we're not going to do anything about it. So we've given you a tool today to look and to examine and to say, what can I do differently? What can I do differently so that I'm experiencing spiritual health, so that I am the image of Christ? Got it? I leave you with these two things today. Spiritual health is the result of a good diet. Yes. Number one, letting Jesus transform us from the inside out. If there's two walkaways today, right? You go to the doctor and they can give you a ton of information, but they know it's going to be oversaturation, so what do they say? Look, just focus on these two things first. Let's get these two things done, and then once you get those things done, we'll start tackling things one, one by one by one, right? Number one, letting Jesus transform us from the inside out. You have to care enough to let that happen. Number two, making every effort to put off the old ways and daily put on the new ways. Amen? Amen. This morning, I hope that you're encouraged by those words. I hope you enjoy tests. I've never given one in the middle of a sermon. And um, again, would love to have you drop. If you're not going to use your life group notes, uh, on the back there is that survey. If you're not going to use that, fill it out and drop it as you leave today. Offerings go in the left box. Uh, Visitor cards and prayer cards go in the right box. You can leave that survey there in in the offering plate that we have uh if you do go to life group take it with you and then hand it to your life group leader at the end of the night 
and then they'll give them to me. Let me close in prayer this morning. Thank you for being here. And more than anything, thank you so much for sharing your testimonies. Thank you for sharing your testimonies and the power of what God is doing in you. I told you that what you said this morning was definitely going to apply to what was being taught. Now you understand. It most definitely has applied. That the Spirit of God is transforming us into His likeness, which creates spiritual health. Let me close in prayer. Father, You have given us all good things. You give us the opportunity to become new, to not be held captive into those things that want to destroy us. Lord, this morning You've given us a picture of what spiritual health looks like. You've also given us the understanding of how we get there, a plan of how to get there. Father, let us have a deep concern that we approach that rather than to stay in those things that are unhealthy. Change us from the inside out. And Lord, this week, let us focus on You during the Holy Week and the celebration and gravitas of what it means for Your Son to have gone to the cross to pay the penalty for sin and the power of the resurrection. To You be the glory, Father. Amen.